God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love, of power, and of a sound mind. And now for, Who Shall Separate Us from the Love of Christ? Welcome to Brothers of the Word. For brother, you need the word. And Father, we just ask you for your direction. We ask you for your leadership. We pray that your Holy Spirit will just go before us and make a way, prepare the way, oh God. Prepare our hearts to receive your word. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. So this day I'm coming to you from the book of Romans. Romans chapter 8. And my topic is taken from verse 37, 35. My topic is, who shall... Separate us from the love of Christ. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? And then lastly, in 39 it says, Nor height, nor depth, nor any other creatures shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Jesus Christ our Lord. Who shall separate us from this awesome love, from this great love? Who shall separate us? There are actually two words that are used for separation. One speaks of a boundary or to set apart for something. And that word is recorded in chapter 1 of Romans, chapter 1, verse 1, where Paul says that he is a servant of Christ and that he has been set apart, I think, for the gospel. Romans chapter 1, and I think on verse 1, he says that Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated. That's one of the Greek words that is used. And it means boundaries, it means to be set apart. However, there's a different word that is used in chapter 8 and verse 35 and 39, where it says, who shall separate? That word means space. It means place. It speaks of a region, a field. So the concept or the idea there is this. There's nothing within the world that can create any space between me and my God and the love that Jesus Christ has for me. There's nothing that can create any distance, any space. We are so tightly knitted together that neither death, life, nothing, the sword, nothing, nothing shall be able to separate us. And he listed a few things that would seem as though they should be capable of bringing separation between two people. Some of them are, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, distress, persecution, our sword. So basically he's saying that these items, they should be able to create some kind of space, some amount of distance between me and the love of Christ, or the love that Christ has for me. But he's saying that all these weapons, all these things are rendered ineffective. They cannot penetrate this fortified wall, this relationship that I have with my God. Nothing can break it. And then he goes on to say as though that is not enough. He goes on to add other things. He says, in all these things we are conqueror, for I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, 
nor things present, nor things to come. Angels, none of these things shall be able to create space, create any kind of distance. Our relationship is such that it's like it's almost airtight. No air can penetrate. That's a close-knitted relationship. But how do we get to this place where he can confidently speak of our relationship that is unbrokeable with God? Because if you go back to chapter 7, the latter part of chapter 7 is crying out. The author is crying out, Oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? So you feel pain, you feel anguish coming through the author in chapter 7. He says that the things I wanted to do, I find myself not doing those things. But the things that I should not do, I find myself wanting to do those things. And he said it is the body of sin. He attributed all these things to the body of sin. And then he concluded, Oh, wretched man that I am. So there's, right there, there's no confidence in himself. And it seemed as if there is no hope. Just total darkness. He was at a dark place. I don't know if you have ever been in a dark place in your life where there seemed to be no hope, nobody to talk to, no one understand you, nobody seemed to care about you, and all you can do is to cry out in your pain, in your anguish, in your frustration. But it didn't stop there. He says, I thank God. If you look at his closing statement in chapter 7 and verse 25, he said, I thank God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So then with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. So it seemed like there's a glimmer of hope. There's a light piercing through his darkness. And he sees Christ. And he says, look, I thank God. Now his confidence is building up. Then he started to talk about, look, there is no condemnation. Even though I myself may condemn myself, other people may condemn me because of what I have done and even what I am doing. There's a declaration that is made over my life. There is therefore no condemnation, no judgment, no presupposition, no one prejudging me anymore. Even I myself, I have to release myself because God has made this declaration over my life. There's no condemnation. And then he started to talk about the spirit. The spirit is mentioned roughly about 19 times in chapter 8 of the book of Romans. So if you want to find out what the spirit life is and what the spirit feel life should be, spend time in the book of Romans, in particular chapter 8 of the book of Romans. So he says that, what shall? He was crying out in chapter 7, but now he turns a chapter in his life and he says, wow, not only is this a glimmer of hope, this is not like a stadium light piercing through in my world. What shall separate me from this love? What shall separate me from this love? What shall create space within this relationship? Now, I believe one of the reasons why he came to this conclusion, 
And I also believe that one of the reasons why we as believers can come to the place of confidence where we can speak with boldness without any apology to anyone about our relationship with our God is because of the role that the Holy Spirit is playing in our lives. Let me clue you in on what I'm saying. In chapter 8 and verse 15, it says this. Let me read from chapter 8 and verse 13, back up to 11. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh, to live after the flesh. That's chapter 7. That chapter of your life has been closed. You were crying out. You were seen as wretched. You were thinking of yourself as wretched. But that chapter of your life has closed. It says, for if we live after the flesh, we shall die. But if we through the spirit do put to death, mortify the deeds of the body, we shall live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Those who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage, again, to fear. The word, Greek word is phobia. Fear, bondage. The Greek word for slave is doulos. The Greek word that is used here is dulia, which means slavish. It's saying that we have not received a slavish spirit. A spirit that will bring us back into slavery. A spirit that will bring us back into the slavery of fear. Because he was crying out. You were crying out. I was crying out. Who shall rescue me? That's bondage. But we have not received that spirit. God has not given us a spirit of fear. But of love, of power, and of a sound mind. So he says that who shall deliver us? Continue reading. For we have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. But you have received the spirit of adoption. Whereby we cry, Abba, Father. We have received the spirit of adoption. Whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The word Abba is Aramic for Father. And you'll find that same expression shared in the book of Galatians. Galatians chapter 4. And verse 6, let me read from verse 3. Even so, when we were children, we were in bondage under the elements of the world. We were in bondage, in fear. Didn't know what to do. There was no light. There was no hope. We were in darkness. But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your heart, crying, Daddy, Abba, Father, adoption. The link between wretched man, no separation, is adoption. Let me explain adoption. The Greek word that is used, weos, is son, and it uses another word which means to place. We as a son, it's a compound word, which means the placing of a son. The placing of a son. In today's language, adoption would be a person taking a child that is not naturally his or her 
and taking that child as his own or her own child. That's what is called adoption. That's the simplest form of adoption. In the Greek culture, the Jewish people did not practice adoption as such, but the Romans did. The Romans practiced adoption. Now, in the Roman culture, a parent or parents can legally disown their children. They can just get up one day in the Roman culture, they can get up one day and say, hey, you are not my child anymore, and it would be binding, it would be according to the law. That was the culture. So a child was not automatic to inherit the father's wealth or get the father's inheritance. That is within the Roman culture. However, in the Roman culture also, when a child is adopted, that child is seen as a new creation. That's where we get our terminology from. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. If any man be in Christ Jesus is a new creature, all things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So that child is seen as a new creation. Also, that child is deemed or viewed as being born again. Born again. That's why Christ told Nicodemus, because he was citing the Roman culture, look, you must be born again. And Nicodemus said, can I enter into my mother's womb a second time? He says that those who are born of the flesh, you know, are born of the flesh. So within the Roman culture now, a child that is adopted is seen as a new creation. That child also is seen as a born again person. Not only so, but legally, legally, that child become here to everything that the family has. Not only so, but they become joint heirs. Whatever, as soon as the child is adopted into the family and the legal process is played out, that child is a new creation, born again, joint heirs. That child inherits all the blessings of the family. How does this truth apply to Romans That's what it is telling us. For the first time, we are crying, Abba, Daddy, Daddy. We have been given rights we never had before. We have been given blessings we never had before. We have been blessed with all spiritual blessings in the heavenly places. So therefore, we are not in chapter 7 anymore, oh wretched man that I am. No, I'm in chapter 8, oh blessed man that I am. I am a child of God through adoption. And nothing, nothing, nothing shall death change that. No, Paul says. Shall tribulation change that relationship? No, Paul says. Shall powers, shall angels Create space between me and my God? Paul says no. The answer is no. No, unequivocally, no. You are a child by adoption. And all the blessings that Jesus Christ has in heaven is yours. Because you are adopted as God's son. Blessed beyond measure. Blessed beyond comprehension. But the enemy is still trying to play a mind game By telling you, you are still in chapter 7. You are wretched. Look what you did. 
No, look who I am. Look who I am. Let me read something for you. Go to the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. And I'll read from verses 13 through about 18. But now in Christ Jesus, you who sometimes were far off are made night by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace who has made both one and help and has broken down the middle wall of partition between us. Having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances, for to make in himself of twain one new man, so making peace, and that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby, and came and preached peace to you which were afar off, and to them which were night. In other words, the Gentiles that we are considered to be were afar off. The Jewish people were considered to be near to God. For through him we both have access by one spirit unto the Father. Through him we have access to him, to the Father. Let me read it. For through him we both have access by one spirit unto the Father. Now therefore we are no more strangers and foreigners. I'm still a Jamaican so you have to forgive me. Yeah man. But fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. So you are no longer stranger. You are not a foreigner. You are of the household of God. It says that the Holy Spirit introduces us. He has given us access. Now in the book of Romans, if you go to the book of Romans, Romans chapter 5, Romans chapter 5, and I'll start reading from verse 1, Romans chapter 5, therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, whom also we have access by faith into his grace wherein we stand. That word access means to be brought into the presence of a monarch. That word access means to be brought into the presence of of a king. That word access means to be brought in the presence of royalty. So here it says that Jesus Christ, we have access to the Father through Jesus Christ. But in the book of Ephesians, Ephesians said we have access through the Holy Spirit. So it is the Holy Spirit that has adopted us and it is the Holy Spirit who has introduced us to the Father and said now this is where you belong. This is your place. So he has taken us to a place that we couldn't have taken ourselves. So the role of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer is critical. Now also within the Roman culture, after that child was adopted, that child was given a mentor. To mentor that child as how that child should behave and reflect the character of his new daddy. Critical. Before that child was just running around doing whatever he or she wanted to do. No restriction, no restraint. But now he has been introduced into a family. And he has to act accordingly. So that child was given a mentor to train, to teach that child how to behave like his daddy. Christ says, I will send you another comforter. And he will lead you into all truth. Now this is the role that is critical that the Holy Spirit is playing in our lives. Go to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. 
So now you are being introduced. You are a son. You have all the legal rights. How must I behave? How can I learn new behavior? I've been acting like a fool all my life. And now I'm in the presence of royalty. How should I behave? But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifested with these adultery. So when the feeling of adultery come up, the Holy Spirit point to that action and say, you're not acting like your daddy. Fornication, hey, you're not acting like... He brings about conviction within our soul, within our actions. Idolatry, hey, that's not your, like your daddy. Witchcraft, hey, that's not your daddy. So he's mentoring us, he's tutoring us, he's discipling us, showing us how to live. Envying, that's not like your daddy. So how do I behave like my daddy? But the fruit of the spirit, love, yes, that's your daddy. You are behaving like your daddy. Joy, yes, that's your daddy. Peace, long-suffering, meekness, temperance, and so forth and so on. So the work of the Holy Spirit or the role of the Holy Spirit in the whole concept of no separation is to mentor us so that we live in accordance to our new relationship, our newfound daddy, so that we do not go astray and go back to, oh, wretched man that I am, that's in the past. So nothing shall separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. But we must remember also that in Genesis chapter 1 and the latter part of Genesis, God separated man and said, I put an angel so that you cannot come back in my presence because you have messed up. No, he says, not even an angel has that ability over our lives anymore. They did it to Adam, they cannot do it to you because you are adopted into my, my family and I am now your daddy and we can always cry out all times. No separation because I have God as my daddy, Abba Father. I hope that this word has been a blessing to your heart. And it's not about I graduated theological school, four years in Jamaica and so forth and so on. But it's not about theology. It's about living your life to glorify God. It's not about learning theology to argue with the Jehovah's Witness or to argue with people. It's to learn how you behave as a new creation, as a born-again child of God. That's the whole concept of teaching God's word, of edification. That we may live in accordance and compliance of God's rule, laws, and regulations. And he has not given us a spirit of fear like the people in the Jewish law. That if you break a law, you are guilty of all of them. It's not like that. We have freedom. But let us not use that freedom as an occasion to sin. And bring judge and bring condemnation to the name of Jesus Christ. Let us stay in our word. Stay true to who we are. We are sons and daughters of the Most High God. Thank you for joining us, our brothers of the word. Father, we just thank you for this time. We ask and pray your blessing and each family that is gathered and those who are listening. I just pray that your Holy Spirit, oh God, will just hover over us at all times. And we'll walk in the consciousness of your spirit and your presence with us. And we'll walk in the fact that there's no condemnation. We are adopted and there's no separation, oh God. Thank you for your endless love and your endless blessing and your peace that surpasses all understanding. In Christ's name we do pray. Amen. Again, thank you for joining us, our brothers of the word, because brother, you need the word.
You are listening to BrothersOfTheWord.com. This was the message titled, Who Shall Separate Us from the Love of Christ? by Glendon Francis. This message is number 6596 at 6596 to listen to thousands of free messages or to send this message number 6596 to a friend. Go to BrothersOfTheWord.com. If this message has been a blessing to you and you would like to help support this ministry, go to IWantToGive.com. That's IWantToGive.com. Listen to BrothersOfTheWord.com often because, brother, you need the Word. Brothers of the Word.